Pastor Ed Taylor uncovers Satan's crafty approach to take you down. Satan is a master at shining. He's a failure at delivering. He's a master. He's the ultimate hypocrite. And those that follow him can can shine and be bright and, and come off as, but they can't deliver the goods because they aren't living the goods. They're living in deception. And, and here's the thing with the devil. The Bible says Jesus does that he's out to kill, steal, and destroy. And I believe that's physically to take away dreams and ministry and vibrancy. He does it all. He, he'll take anything he can get. But here's how he does it. He works both sides. He works both sides with no rules. This is amazing grace. It's time once again for Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor will be along shortly and continue our study in 2 Corinthians. We left off in chapter 11 at verse 3, if you want to find your place there now. The Apostle Paul is expressing his deep concern for the church in Corinth. They were dealing with deceivers, liars, and phonies. Savage wolves had come into the church, and they were ripping them off. So Paul is going to tell it like it is. Let's turn things over to Pastor Ed and hear all about it now. He says the fear that he has in verse 3 is that they might be deceived by craftiness. So we know what was going on there. They were being deceived by craftiness. Their minds being corrupted by the junk that they were letting in it. And what was it taking away from? The simplicity that was in Jesus. How was, when you look back in Genesis, how was Eve deceived? You know, I'll tell you how she wasn't deceived. It wasn't like an in-your-face deception. It wasn't, it wasn't all revealed at the, hey, Eve, just want to let you know, um, God doesn't really care about you. He doesn't really care. And, you know, you're hungry, and here's the fruit. And, oh, by the way, when you eat the fruit, it's going to ruin humanity forever. Every woman's going to be mad at you the rest of their life because, oh, their childbirth is going to be painful. And, and your husband, I don't know where he's at right now, but I'm glad he's not here. And maybe he's hiding behind the bush over there. Whatever he's doing, he's going to buy. And what his responsibility is, he's going to plunge the entire human race into, into a sinful separation from God. And, he, you know, Satan didn't lay it all out there. It wasn't that kind of temptation. I mean, don't you think if, if it was laid out that bad for you that you'd resist that kind of temptation? Don't you? I, I, I mean, I don't want to speak like, like some uh, arrogance or anything, but most likely if you laid it all out, how the rest of my life's going to be ruined, I'll pass. Pretty attractive pomegranate or apple, whatever, pretty attractive, but, you know, I'll pass. I'll eat everything else. So she wasn't deceived, like in her face. She was deceived, it says here, by craftiness craftiness there was a crafty way and the temptation actually wasn't all the things that we think it might be it was simply a temptation to be more spiritual to be like god god's holding out on you there's a lot more that's the same thing that was being offered in corinth it was crafty god's holding out on you paul's holding out on you there's so much more paul's teaching they're so simple the simplicity that's in christ too easy 
come follow us. We'll make things really hard for you. <laughs> That's really what they're saying. It's funny in this area of simplicity, I was thinking about it, because it's often an accusation that will come here. When I get an email here and there, some of them are like, you know, I, Pastor Ed, I'm just going to go find another church because things are just too simple there. Too simple. Okay, teachings are too simple. I want more meat. It comes in a lot of different ways. And I didn't know that it wasn't meat going through the Bible verse by verse, but simple, you know. All, all I seem to hear there is grace and love and mercy and forgiveness. I mean, where's the meat? You know, I understand. I mean, this, this is definitely not, uh, and my teaching style is definitely not like, I don't sound like a professor. You know why? Because I'm not a professor. I'm just a guy with an open Bible that believes that God would have us to hear of his love, mercy, grace, to hear that we should be warned against sin, that there is a heaven and there is a hell, that the cross of Jesus Christ has settled it, that if you place your faith in him, God will, will prevent you. He'll hold back from you from going to hell and he'll give you eternal life. Not only that, but in this life, while you're waiting for the heavenly reward, the eternal life starts today. and God will begin to work in your life this moment. The Bible says that you'll be born again. That if you're born again, then old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That God is on the work of restoration. He loves to restore years that have been... I mean, I love that kind of stuff. And we'll teach whatever the Bible has to say, wherever page we're on. But simplicity... You know, I often, in my mind, I'm just like... And I don't write this, but... but I think it. Do you guys have an inside voice and an outside voice? Okay, so my inside voice thinks this. My inside voice says, well, what do you want? Do you want me to make it so hard that you can't understand it? I mean, I guess I could. I can use all kinds of terms and lay- I could take you all over the place and, and then maybe you'll leave here so in awe. Oh, the pastor. Oh, what great flowery words. That guy, he said so many words. I don't know what they mean, but he must know what they mean. He must be so smart. So complicated. So way out there. Wow, bro, what'd you guys learn at church on Wednesday? I don't know, man, but it was deep. (laughs) It was great. I don't know that that would edify you, or I know it wouldn't. But I know it could make you dependent upon the person that has all the definitions. If I started throwing words out to you and you're like, man, what does that mean? You know, come next week, I'll tell you. And then on Monday, i got a special little group that if you want the definition group on Monday, if you write me a check, I'll let you into the secret part of the website. Oh, you didn't know there was a secret part of the website? Yeah. Yeah. You want a part of that? I bet you do. Yeah. Secret. What's in this? Pay me. I mean, it just sounds so unchristlike, doesn't it? It's not the character nature of Jesus. And so, sure, maybe, maybe there is simplicity in the teaching, and that's on purpose. I want you to understand the scriptures. I want you to understand not only what they mean, but I want you to understand how to apply them in your life. I want you to see what Paul's doing here with the church. I want you to see so when you come across where you're faced with some area, you know, well, that's, I know the scriptures there, the simple gospel. It's amazing how complicated men can make the simple gospel. It's simple. It's simple. Sure, there's some scriptures in here that are super hard to understand. But most of the Bible is not that hard to understand for believers. Why? Because the Spirit of God is in you and will teach you as you read through the scriptures. And sure, there's a gifting of pastor-teacher and there's a gifting of people that can unfold and unlock truths. and, And I dedicate my life to doing that. But only because the Lord's gifted me in that. And he hasn't gifted me, like Jesus said in Matthew 23, to bind heavy burdens on you. Hard to bear. Lay them on men's shoulders. 
but then myself not being able to move them with my own finger. Jesus condemned that. Simplicity. You, you're going to continue to my inside voices. Man, you want me to make it harder, but my outside voices, I'm simple on the purpose. And Calvary's not for everybody. And so just be led by the Lord wherever you think you're going to be most edified, where your gifts are going to be used the most, where you're going to make the biggest difference for the kingdom of God on the earth while you're alive. Nothing would please me more that we all find a fellowship family, that that's where we can bear the most fruit. And there's so much fruit from our arms and from our lives that our branches are hanging down, that God needs to come, like Jesus said in um, um, John 15, abiding in him and pruning the branches. Why? So that we can bear more fruit. And so I think of a super difficult way or a super easy way, I'm going to choose the easy way. And I believe I'm following in the footsteps of the first century leaders. They made it real easy. They made it real easy for the people. And one of the reasons why it's hard for us to understand some of the things in the scriptures is we don't fully grasp the first century. And all we need to do is understand the historical context or the grammar that's being used or the original language. And we all have tools for that. And as things get unpacked, I mean, even just like the the picture of Paul here betrothing them, he saw the church like his own daughter, a daughter in the faith, and he wanted him pure unto the Lord. That's an important picture to understand. The Bible says, believe on Jesus and you'll be saved. It's that simple. But in Corinth, they started saying, no, you need more. You've got to follow the law. You've got to be circumcised. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to. And we've covered that in studies on a weekend not too long ago. It became so bad that even if someone came and preached another Jesus, some people in the church would have believed it. And he was greatly concerned, he said. A different Jesus and a different gospel. By the way, in our culture and our society today, there are still different Jesuses and different gospels. You'll talk to people. They'll use the same language you use. They might even use the same Bible and absolutely mean their definitions behind their words are totally different than what you're used to. They'll come to your door. I'm bringing Jesus to you. Well, which Jesus are you bringing? Well, I'm bringing Jesus to you. Well, which Jesus are you bringing? You know, so, and, and you could do it to the people at your door. You could say, who's his brother? And they start naming his brother. I said, does he have any more? And, you know, a group's going to come to your door and says, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the devil's his brother. Oh, really? You, you believe in a Jesus that the devil is his brother? That's a different Jesus. So everything you said is irrelevant because you're not bringing the right Jesus to my doorstep. And by the way, since you're here, let me tell you about that different Jesus. The true Jesus that's different from yours. Or all the, you know, the the weird, weird stuff. He's concerned about that. Verse 5 now. For I consider that I'm not at all inferior to the most eminent apostles. That was an attack. He wasn't a real apostle. Not significant. Even though, verse 6, I'm untrained in speech... Yet I'm not in knowledge. Paul was a genius. He studied, we learn in the book of Acts, under the rabbi Gamaliel. And one of the things we have in history from Gamaliel is that the problem with Paul is that he couldn't get him enough books. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was a genius. Even though we saw last time his outward appearance wasn't very impressive. You know, he had oozing eyes and and an outward appearance that just wouldn't, you wouldn't expect such wisdom and knowledge and smartness to come out of him. But that's because we judge outwardly, and when we do that, we're wrong. We're wrong when we do that. We learned that in another study as well. He says, even though I'm untrained in speech, I'm not in knowledge, but we have been thoroughly made manifest among you in all things. 
Basically, he's saying, you know us. You know me. Did I commit sin, verse 7, in abasing myself that you might be exalted? Because I preached the gospel of God to you free of charge? I robbed, verse 8, other churches, taking wages from them to minister to you. Now, he's not saying he stole from them. He's like, you know what? Other churches supported me so that I could be there among you and not have to ask for anything. And the false teachers were not only asking for it, but taking it from them. Did I, in verse 9, when I was present with you and in need, I wasn't a burden to anyone. For what was lacking to me, the brethren who came from Macedonia supplied. And in everything, I kept myself from being burdensome to you. And so I will keep myself as the truth of Christ is in me. No one shall stop me from this boasting in the regions of Achaia. The false teachers were just elevating themselves, taking money, taking advantage, saying, calling Paul names, untrained, you know, but I'm smart. I've humbled myself for you. I didn't charge you. Other churches supported me. I was in need, but I didn't burden any of you. In everything, I didn't burden you, and I'm staying that way. It's almost like in these verses, he's saying, what offense did I commit? What did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? Verse 11, he says, in verse 10, I'm going to continue to boast in the region of Ki. Why? Verse 11, because I don't love you? God knows. But what I do, I will also continue to do, that I might, I might cut off the opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the things of which they boast. Please don't misunderstand silence as approval. Paul has chosen all this time to let it go. And he's just making a little mention right here. He says, hey, I'm going to continue to live this way. I'm not going to make a big deal about it. I'm not going to keep defending myself. I'm going to continue to live this way um, because I want to make sure that my life is still above reproach. And all the accusations come, and the only thing that's going to really establish you and I is that our lives are above reproach. Because people will craftily make things up. You ever have anyone make something up about you? Anybody? How did that feel? Was it true? No, and some of the things that get made up, they're so untrue that it just, you just shake your head and you go, are you serious? Paul says, you guys know me? You guys serious? Do you, you guys know me? You've been around me? You hear what they're saying? Look what my life, remember how I lived among you? And, and he says, after all that, I'm just going to continue to do the same thing. Because if I live my life unto the Lord, verse 12, I'm going to cut off opportunity from them. They desire the opportunity, but they're not going to get it. Because why, verse 13? They're false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. Well, verse 13 is not very nice now, is it? He's finally getting to the point. Some of you would have gotten to the point a lot earlier, wouldn't you? It's just your personality. Paul walked us down a path and said, oh, by the way, these guys, they're liars. They're phonies. They're deceivers, and they're false. They transform themselves into apostles of Christ. Verse 14, he doesn't get, it, it, gets, it gets stronger. He says, and no wonder, because even the devil transforms himself into an angel of light. Just like Jesus said, you guys are liars. Satan's the father of lies. He associates all of that with the demonic realm, with the, the demonic, you know, the, the things that are happening in the human realm are inspired from the demonic realm when it's in the realm of accusations and gossip and false lies and he says it's no wonder Satan can do the same thing 
Therefore, it's no great thing, verse 15, if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. And finally, you know, we just like, Paul, tell us what you really believe. Tell us what you think. And he does. They're liars. They're frauds. These guys were no good. They present themselves as something spiritual, but they're really not. Just like Satan does. He does the same thing. He comes in such a way only to steal, kill, and destroy and deceive through craftiness. By the way, if you like to jot things down, verse 13, if you want to circle that word deceitful, you can circle it right next to it, luring by bait, like a fisherman or a trapper or whatever. You're, you're luring by laying out the bait, seeing who's going to bite. Outwardly one thing, but with ugly ulterior motives. And we really shouldn't be surprised by this because when we see false teachers with uh, all these such high morals, with lofty commands to separate from the world, Satan is a master at shining. He's a failure at delivering. He's a master. He's the ultimate hypocrite. And those that follow him can, can shine and be bright and, and come off as, but they can't deliver the goods because they aren't living the goods. They're living in deception. And, and here's the thing with the devil. The Bible says Jesus does that he's out to kill, steal, and destroy. And I believe that's physically to take away dreams and ministry and vibrancy. He does it all. He, he'll take anything he can get. But here's how he does it. He works both sides. He works both sides with no rules. So on the one hand, if a person chooses to live in dark, sinful, openly rebellious way, then what the devil will do is make sure he's, that guy's surrounded, that gal's surrounded by people that will encourage that behavior. Ah, it's all right. Yeah, we're all going to go party in hell. I mean, uh, I used to say that. Can you imagine that? People would come and love me enough to tell me about hell. And, oh, yeah, I was just going to party. Party in here, going to party in hell. There is no party in hell. Let me just say, it is not going to be a party. And you're really not partying here now either. You're just heaping upon yourselves just the, the emptiness and vanity of this life. Wasting away. So if a person decides to live that way, then he's just going to find people. Birds of a... F- Birds of a feather flock together. I don't know what the hip thing is today, but that's the one I remember. And you're going to find at one point, you, you, you know, especially you stronger believers, you just have a bad day, a bad situation, and you're like, I give up on the church, and I hate that church, and I just go do my own thing. It's amazing. You once were surrounded by 20 guys and gals that loved the Lord, and all you used to do is talk about the love of God and ministry and just serving Jesus in heaven. And then as soon as you, as soon as you go away, you leave those friends, and you've got 20 new ones almost overnight. And they don't care about the things of God, and they don't care about anything. They, they, don't, they just want to do what you want to do. Surprising. So let's go party. Sure. Let's go out. That's the skull. Let's, and, and, you know, before you know it, the devil surrounds you with people just like you. And your life, I don't know how long it'll take, but it won't be anything like it used to be. He works both sides. So if, on the other hand, you want to live a moral life, an upright life, a life for Jesus, he'll use that in your life as well. You know, let's just take not the, not the moral person for Jesus, but just the person that wants to get, live a good life. Oftentimes you'll be sharing about the love of God and about the issue of sin and all of that, and the response can be something like, well, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. And, and we shouldn't be so quick to try to talk someone out of that. There are a lot of good people doing a lot of good things, not connected to Jesus. You know, we're so quick to want to win an argument. Don't even approach it that way. If somebody tells me that they're a good person, an upright person, 
I'm going to talk to them about it. I'd love to find out what good they're doing in the world. I'd love to find out about it. You know, what charity they might be doing. What giving they might give, you know, might be moved. Uh, they have a heart for animals, so they're going to serve with the animals. They, they want to help animals. Or they have a heart for, you know, some, something going on in the neighborhood. Their neighbor got sick, and so they started to... Don't be so quick to argue somebody out of the fact that they're good. Now, now I understand that, that perhaps as we understand the scriptures and walk them down a path, that they're obviously not good enough for salvation, but it doesn't mean they're not good. Of course they're good. Of course good things come out of people. Of course, there's a lot of good in this world among the lot of bad. But see, that's what the devil does. That good, upright, moral person will be satisfied in their own morality and never confess their sin before Jesus. And they'll die a moral person, the same ending of an immoral person, because they died without Jesus. He'll use both sides of the... See, the only hope for you and me is a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's it. Admitting our sinfulness... No matter how good. So you're good to, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, you're a 9. And you're an 8. And you're a 7. And I'm a 5. It doesn't really matter on the scale. All that's different is what, how good we are, how good we're not. The reality is, if you ever want to make it to 10, you need to renounce all of your sinful immorality. And you need to renounce all of your morality apart from Jesus and accept the full price of salvation, no matter how good you are. And, you know, the, it's really, really hard to talk to somebody that's been good their whole life. And they're upright and moral. And then begin to enter in and talk about sin. It's hard for them to connect. Are you, call, are you calling me a sinner? Do you know what I did yesterday? You're calling me a sinner? And, and so you have to be very gentle and careful with that. Walking them down a path. So that they might recognize that as good as they are, they're not Jesus. And so when compared to me, you might be really good. But compared to Jesus, we all lack. So if you want to be immoral, the devil says, be immoral. I'll surround you with a bunch of immoral people. And you can live your life that until eternity. You want to be a moral person and never really, you know, what, what that, what the, like, like we watched the debate yesterday. I'm certain that Bill Nye has done a lot of great things in his life. I'm certain of it. I'm certain he has great morals. And he really does care for kids. I'm sure of it. He would have never gone into the business that he's into if he didn't care for kids and want to teach them something. And teachers are wonderful. But he's stuck. Because when he thinks of sin, he thinks of religion. And when he thinks of religion, he doesn't even want to think of Jesus. And when you don't care about a a historical figure that changed the world with hundreds of eyewitnesses in his lifetime and many thousands of eyewitnesses through experience up to this day, then you could die a very normal and very moral, upright person in your actions and still be separated from God. And Paul's concerned Because the thing that's going on in the church is that the people look good, but they're liars. They have an outward appearance, but so does Satan. Satan can transform himself into something, an angel of light, but still be the devil. Thanks for joining us today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. It's part of our series in 2 Corinthians. Not long ago, we created a new website just for you, and you'll find it at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Let me highlight some of the features. Look for our quick links, and you'll discover you can now listen to our programs anytime you'd like. We also offer a free podcast, too. You can read Pastor Ed's blog there as well. We've also made it super easy to donate to the ministry, and there's a place to contact us, too. Speaking of which, we'd sure like to hear from you. Let us know what you think of the new website and if you're finding these daily studies helpful to your walk. 
We'd also very much appreciate your support as we present God's abounding grace here over the radio. Again, go to aboundinggraceradio.com. We also offer an app that makes listening to Pastor Ed's teachings really easy to do. You can download the free app by searching for Calvary Aurora. Each month, Pastor Ed picks out a book that he believes can really help you grow in grace and be the person God wants you to be. Our pick of the month is The Third Option by Miles McPherson. I don't have to remind you that we're living in a racially divided nation. You may have heard it said, Sunday morning is the most segregated time in America today. Pastor Miles shares openly what has led to this great divide, both within the church and across the country. He believes instead of choosing one of two sides, there is a third option, one that is proven to bring people together and promotes genuine peace. That's the third option, and we'll gladly send you a copy for a donation of $25 or more. We ask that you call to place an order at 877-30-GRACE. That's toll-free, 877-30-GRACE. We'll return to 2 Corinthians next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. May God richly bless you with His abounding grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.